Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. Yes, you're now going to know when I recorded certain shows based on this voice. Uh, sick, but the show goes on. And there's no way I was going to cancel or reschedule even the interviews I had today because they are uh, two amazing authors. And the first one I'm bringing to you is Michael Easter. Michael Easter, oh my gosh, is this book beyond phenomenal. Beyond. It's called The Comfort Crisis. Embrace discomfort to reclaim your wild, happy, healthy self. There's everything in this book. There's everything from nutrition to psychology to motivation. I mean, you name the topic, just everything we've done in the hundreds and hundreds of shows here on on Fitness Disrupted, and Michael touches on it and explains it and and gives the science within this incredible storyline of him going out into the Alaskan wilderness for 33 days. It is so well-written. And this book will help you live your best life. So many topics on hunger and, and motivation. It's so good. It's so good. So let me just read to you who he is. Michael Easter is a contributing editor at Men's Health Magazine, columnist for Outside Magazine, and professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. His work has appeared in more than 60 countries and can also be found in Men's Journal, New York, Vice, Scientific American, Esquire, and others. He lives in Las Vegas on the edge of the desert with his wife and their two dogs. He is an incredible writer. Incredible writer. And so heavily researched, went around the world. And, and, and there's no way I'm going to get to all the topics I want to get to with him. And so I can't say enough times that if you're listening to my show, you're interested in living your best life, this book has to be on your list. 
of must-reads, The Comfort Crisis. And he interviews many of the people I've already had on this show, the best of the best, Dr. Daniel Lieberman, we'll talk about. Because it's about evolution. He looks back at what we evolved to do and what the modern world is doing to us. And as I will say to him, when I read a book like this, it is like a total contradiction in that I'm so excited to read this incredible information that just reinforces so many of the things that I've already read and studied. And, and then, he, you know, there's nuances to it and shades of gray. But then you get depressed. You go, where are we going from here? Because we want to be comfortable. But how many people are going to do the things we're going to talk about? When we talk about going outside your comfort zone. How do you truly live your best life when so much of the modern world is preventing us from doing just that? Physically and psychologically. All right, enough. Enough. Going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, so excited. No way. Rescheduling, sick or not. We're doing it. When we come back from the break, Michael Easter, author of The Comfort Crisis. We'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we are back. I know I say it every time I have a guest on because I only have the best guests. And I apologize for my voice, but there was no way I wasn't going to keep this interview because this guy is tough to get. And we, we, we just have to do this regardless of how my voice sounds. So, Michael Easter, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? 
Hey, I'm I'm doing good. I'm sorry to hear you're not feeling well. I appreciate you <laughs> trucking on with this thing. Oh, it's so easy. So easy. There was just, as I said, no way we weren't going to do this. And thank you for taking the time. We talked quickly. I, I can't speak more highly of your book. I mean, I just, I read everything, you know, before I interview uh, the people who've written the book. And this is just one of my favorite in, in years, Michael. Um, so thank you. <laughs> like on so many That's levels. Awesome. Yeah, it's just... Let's just start with, give us the story behind, you know, the, the makings of this book. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, but kind of the short answer is that, um, you know, I worked at Men's Health Magazine for a lot of years. I haven't worked there for about five years. Um, I still write for them a lot. But, you know, early on in my career as sort of a health performance fitness journalist, I realized that really anything that improves human health it usually comes with some dose of discomfort on the side, right? It's like, if you want to improve your fitness, you're going to have to train and training is uncomfortable. If you want to lose weight, you're probably going to have to eat less. And usually you're going to be hungry and that's uncomfortable. And this even applies to like mental health stuff, right? It's like, if you, if you are going through something hard in your life, usually you might have to uncover something under the surface, like what's going on there. And that's uncomfortable. And so I sort of saw that. And then I had just a series of events in my life that really cemented that. And one of them is that I meet this guy whose name is Donnie Vincent. And he's this backcountry bow hunter and filmmaker who kind of goes into the world's most remote, dangerous areas. And I went uh, on this hunt with him and it was only like five days. I was profiling him for men's health. But it was, it was fascinating because, um, you know, I told you I'd made that observation about discomfort, but like in the wild, you get hit with all these different forms of discomfort that we don't get hit with in our daily lives anymore. Uh, so for example, right, I'm exposed to the elements the whole time. I'm cold. Anytime, you know, if we want water, we got to hike down a mountain, drag it back up. Everything takes effort. I'm also bored. Like you don't get self-service <laughs> out there. There's no nothing to distract yourself with, right? And on and on and on. And um, eventually Donnie ends up inviting me on this hunt to the Arctic for like 30 days. And I figure like, I've made this, I've made this observation about discomfort. I've seen like, oh, you know, our lives have changed a ton over the past 100, 1000, 10,000 years. And what's really changed is that we've added all these different forms of comfort into our lives, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you know, you can tie a lot of this stuff to a lot of the the problems that we now face. And so in going to the Arctic, I sort of wanted to thrust myself into this world of discomfort and see what I could learn from it, like how it changed me. And it definitely changed me. I mean, it changed my perspective on, I mean, I mean life and living it across the board for sure. And when I got home, I just wanted to know like, why, why was I so much fitter? Why had I lost weight? More importantly, why was my mental health so much better? Like, what was it about going into this world of discomfort that moved the dial? And so then from there, I just started traveling the world and speaking to experts about the topic. And these are people in all sorts of different disciplines. You know, I went to, I spoke to geneticists in Iceland. I went to Bhutan and met with, you know, Buddhist leaders. I met with special forces soldiers in Florida with neuroscientists at Harvard, I mean, across the board. And they, all these people kind of showed me in their own unique way, uh, sort of the benefits of reinserting some fundamental forms of discomfort back into your life. So you didn't do your homework. <laughs> so you, <laughs> I know that's what's so amazing. And I love that you start the book and then that through line of the, the Alaskan backcountry experience you're describing, like that's, that's what runs throughout the whole book. And then you're back and forth to everything you just described which is just so cool. And let me start by saying too, by the way, Michael, I was about, a, a, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 pages into the book, I stopped and I was really angry. I was really angry that I didn't write this book because it's it just, it's so good. <laughs> and like, and I, I want the listeners to realize that, you know, you just talked about a bunch of people you interviewed and met with around the world. There's everything in this book and we'll touch upon, you know, most of them, but there's so much in here when it comes to diet. And as you said, the psychology, um, just living your best life. And, you know, you can just distill it down to the simple stuff that I would say, Michael, the answers to life are on Instagram, right? All the memes that everyone puts <laughs> out there, right? It's just no one applies them, right? No right. one actually lives them. But yeah, uh, the Alaskan backcountry like through line is just amazing. I, there's no way that couldn't change you, right? I'm sure you surprised even yourself when you got back. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think fundamentally, you know, what I'm arguing is that I think we all kind of intuitively know like... Yeah, I need to get out of my comfort zone to change. But I think that a lot of people don't realize just how comfortable our lives have become in the grand scheme of time and space. 
I mean, think about the day of the average person, like never, I mean, you could argue like never in a day do we really have to be uncomfortable, especially physically, right? It's like, we sleep in soft beds, we have easy access to food all the time, we live in temperature control, um, we have a ton of distractions in the form of screens, right? And this is like a fundamentally different lifestyle than we lived and evolved in over two and a half million years. And so this like quick change from an environment of discomfort that we involved in to one of comfort, that presents a problem for us because we're still wired to do that which is going to be most comfortable because that used to save us, right? So this drive we have to be comfortable, it tells us overeat. Now that made sense when food was hard to find, right? You put on fat and that would be good for when the lean times came. Um, it told us to avoid all forms of risk because life used to be really dangerous, but nowadays it basically, you know, tells us don't do things that we perceive as risky that could actually improve our lives. Cause we're not, we're probably not going to die from risk anymore. Right. The risk that we have now is like business risk that could lead us into like greater territory, but we fear a lot of things and on and on and on. And so I think that there's just kind of this general mismatch in a lot of ways between our new environments compared to these drives we have. Yeah. And the term you use, and I love this, is misogi, right? Uh, and and I, you know, I took so many notes, by the way, this book took me forever to read because I was scribbling in the, in the uh, you know, in the, uh, all throughout the book. Um, t- talk about misogi and, and what that means. It's, it's what you just described, but how, how that yeah. is a huge part of life. Should be. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, if you think about... Um, as humans evolved, we used to have to do hard, challenging things all the time. I mean, this could be from having to hunt for our food. You know, an average hunt would occur across about 13 miles, and we were having to hunt all the time, right? This was like getting dinner. This could be from moving from summering to wintering grounds. This could be from encountering a predator, and on and on and on. But each time we would take on one of these challenges, it would teach us something about ourselves, right? It would, it would teach us what we are capable of and expand our potential. So nowadays, you think about it, you can go through life without being really challenged and have a halfway decent life. Like, you know, you can get a job, you're going to have access to food, you're going to have a roof over your head, you're going to be in temperature control, all these things. But by not ever really being challenged, you're going to miss a lot of your potential by not getting out of your comfort zone. Like there's all this potential out there that you're not tapping into and learning about. So I ended up meeting this guy whose name is Marcus Elliott and he's a sports scientist. He's got a, a couple of facilities and does a lot of work with NBA players and NFL guys and stuff like that. And he does this kind of kooky thing once <laughs> a year that he calls Masogi. And the idea is that to mimic these past challenges that our natural environment used to show us, that used to teach us a lot about ourselves, uh, he tries to mimic those. So once a year, he'll go out and he'll just pick some seemingly totally random, weird physical task in nature. And there are only two rules. One is that it has to be really hard. And he defines really hard by saying you should have a 50-50 shot of finishing (laughs) it. So coin flip, right? Right. And then the second rule is that you can't die which is, you know, <laughs> a good one. <laughs> yeah. Kind of tongue in cheek, but yeah. also like, don't be dumb. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's done things as weird as like uh, one year, him and a few other people, they walked an 85 pound rock. I think it was five miles underneath the Santa Barbara channel. So like one guy would dive down, pick this thing up, walk it, you know, 10 yards underwater on the sand. And then the next guy would go down. Um, but they've also done things like, okay, here's a mountain we can see. Let's try and get to the top of that in a day. Or we're going to try and stand up paddleboard across this really big distance. You know, we don't have much experience stand up paddleboarding. And, you know, what happens when you do something like this is that, and I would argue people, people hit this a lot in like really long events as well, is that you kind of reach this point where you want to quit, right? Where you think that you have absolutely reached what you perceive it is your edge. Like I can't go any further than this. But by not quitting and continuing to put one foot in front of the other, you then have this moment where you can look back and go, oh, wait a minute. So I thought that back there was my edge, but I have clearly gone past it. So I sold myself short there. And then that raises the question, right? Well, where else in my life am I selling myself short? So the point is not the workout. The point is what you learn from this challenge because it's really, it's sort of like a, you know, psychological, emotional, and even spiritual task that's 
sort of masquerades as this physical thing. So that's something that I advocate people do. And it's uh, the beauty is that the 50-50 thing, right? It has to be true 50-50 because people tend to select things that they know they're going to finish, right? When you think about how people uh, will often say run a marathon, New York City Marathon was this, um, right. this last weekend. It's, uh, it's not, I don't know if I'm going to finish. It's, I don't know if I'm going to finish in three hours and 15 minutes or whatever my goal is, right? So we rarely, humans avoid failure because in the past, failure used to often mean death. Right. <laughs> like I was talking about with those physical challenges. So, or those challenges we used to face in the past. But now failure, it, it never means death, right? It's like, I didn't hit my goal time, but I still finished. Or, you know, uh, I was presenting in the office and my boss gave me a bad look because I messed up slide seven or whatever <laughs> right. it is, you know, but we still fear failure to the, like to an extreme, like it's going to kill us. Right. And so, um, by putting yourself in a chance where you have a high risk of failure, coin flip, you can also learn that like failure is not that big of a deal and you've probably sold yourself short. And so with the 50, 50 thing, I mean, it's like, I had a woman email me and she said, I read your book. My name's Deborah. I'm planning a Masogi. It will be really hard and I won't die. You know? <laughs> and she's 79. And she's mentioned she's 79 years old. No. Like, cut that punchline. But wow. so it's like, you know, for one person who hasn't, you know, ran in whatever 30 years, like it could be, I don't even know if I can run, you know, two miles. All right, well, go try. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Right. You probably learn something about yourself. And I wrote that. You know, so many quotes uh, on page 41, you say people vastly overestimate the consequences of failure today. This is what you're saying. And I totally agree. And what I love, Michael, is that as I was reading this part and scribbling like crazy, as soon as I read, you know, the the 50-50 and can't die, I recently, last year with, um, uh, you know, COVID and everything, crazy ultra marathon friend and I went and did the rim to rim to rim. And so I oh, scribbled awesome. that. Yeah, I scribbled that in the, you know, uh, in the book. And then all of a sudden you talk about how he did that, right? That was his Masogi yeah. one year. And for me, it's exactly what you said, because I've done Ironmans, I've done marathons, I've done all that stuff. That was so unique for me in all the ways you described. And it was one of the single greatest things I've done. And I've done a couple other things, but for all the reasons you're you're talking about, like I I the night before, I'm in the, you know, crappy hotel room going, this is crazy. You know, I, I didn't yeah. train with this pack. I just put it on. It weighs like 20 pounds. My friend is, he's going to be fine. He's an ultra marathon guy. I'm not him. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, the last three hours, I was, I was frightened that like, I'm going to die. Like, you know, it started raining. I'm by myself. We didn't run together. But yeah. as you said, like what you learn and, you know, you still learn stuff, marathons and things like that. But yeah. it's something so unique. And, and what I love too that you talk about is when you, I wrote the line down, when you remove uh, superficial metrics, you can accomplish way more, right? And I didn't have yeah. a time goal. No one was watching. This wasn't a race. This was nuts. And it was so uniquely freeing in that way. And, 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 and I, I mean, how do we describe that to people, Michael? How do we get that across? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think what this is, is, um, you know, it goes back to like what uh, Joseph Campbell talked about with the hero's journey, right? You see this right. same sort of arc in all in stories from all different cultures, like the myths that they use to um, teach people about something. And, you know, the hero's journey, it's like the, the hero leaves the comfort of home and they get thrust into this environment, this like sort of Tr super challenging trying middle ground and they have to like battle and survive and then by coming out on the other side of that they are fundamentally changed as a person like they are literally a new person right and and you see this in things like the military as well it's like what happens when someone goes in the military it's like they enlist and then they put them through hell week and then what happens when they're done you know it's like they get this tab this ranger tab or whatever it is that signifies oh you're a new person now because you've sort of moved on to like a new stage uh, in life where you're a lot more capable and confident and just like you have a new perspective. And I think that these sort of things that we can even just invent in nature sort of mimic a lot of those past things that we used to do, those, that same hero's journey and also things like rites of passage that we used to do, um, societies used to do in the past in order to like help people get to the next stage of their life and improve their, what they were capable of. Right. And I love that you talk about, too, 
Because I would argue, and I'm sure you'd probably agree, that social media is kind of ruining all these things as well, right? Because it's like, am I going to post about it? What What is, you know, this perfect world that I'm going to show that I did this thing? And you talk about, you know, it's going to be hard not to quit because no one is watching, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to quit because, you know, because you're watching, right? It's all about you. And when you truly, you know, I, I don't know about you, Michael, but there were the races where, you know, years ago, things weren't going right for me. And I'm writing that email. I'm writing that post in my head, right? During the race itself. And you go, this is nuts. Yeah. This is nuts. Like, who cares? This shouldn't be about that. Um, and when you truly don't care and it, it's about you and what you find and you're, you're not going to post about it and you don't care if anyone's watching because they're not, then it's like it's a whole nother level. I 100% agree. And I think that that's the, the nice thing about Masogi, too, is because it's just kind of it's made up, you know. Right. Um, I think there's a massive value in goals like a marathon or an Ironman, of course. And I think people should do them. But I also think that there's value in just like, here's just some like arbitrary thing that is, I can't compare myself to anyone else because no one's done this because like when, you know, I think we do naturally go, okay, now that I'm joining this like socially constructed thing, which is still useful, but now once you add like society into the element, now I have to compare myself to others. Right. And so by having um, a sort of a yin to the yang where you go, okay, well, here's this thing that's just like, I'm not competing against anyone. This is just like me for me. Um, I think you start to shed uh, a lot of different layers that can be beneficial to explore. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes so freeing, right? That that's like, it's, it's so rare that we just do something for ourselves in that way. Um, yes. And it's that self-efficacy I talk about all the time, one of my favorite, you know, sports psychology constructs and, and that confidence you get, as you're saying, like, I know we always talk about it and it goes back to the Instagram thing, but you know, you come out of that, as you said, a different person, a stronger person. And each and every time it builds upon that. Right. And as you said, you go, oh my gosh, I didn't think I could do this. What's next. And again, I think we talk about that, but, but, you know, I think Iron Man, as crazy as it sounds, as we're saying this out loud, Michael, that's like a start, right? Your marathon is your start, right? Okay, figure out that you can do that and then go and do something that's unstructured. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think a lot of it is psychological too. So, I mean, w- when we think about, um, you know, f- human physicality, it, it's like in the past, people used to do amazing things all the time. I mean, people would run a marathon distance on a hunt, you know? Right. And now it's like, what percent of the population has run a marathon? Maybe like 1% or something. Um, But this used to be a regular thing that people did all the time. And I think people hear a goal like a marathon, they're like, that's insane. I could never do that. But that is a luxury belief. It's a luxury because you were just born in the time and place where you don't have to do that and you've never been forced to. But if you were to thrust yourself into that, you can freaking do it. I mean, humans can (laughs) do a lot of amazing things, right? But it's just often people's minds and it's the perspective of a time and place that they were born into that we believe we can't do things. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I'm friends with and had him on a couple of times and we'll have him on again, Daniel Lieberman, right? Dr. Lieberman and evolution. You, you talk about all these people and that's where I always go back to as well, Michael, like, you know, where, where did we come from? What, what are we wired to do? And, and it becomes really depressing when you, uh, you know, look deeply enough, as you're saying, because stress, everything about what we evolved to do, it's kind of backwards now. And, you know, as you said, from hunger to stress, um, it's really hard not to get depressed for people like you and I, I would argue to read a book or to write and know about these kind of things and say, where are we going? Right. What's, I don't know about you, Michael, but like that at the end of reading your book, I was like, I love it. And I'm really depressed because how do we, (laughs) how do we turn this boat around? What do we do? Yeah, well, I mean, we we are fighting back against, you know, millions of years of wiring telling us to overeat and to to be as lazy as possible and all these things. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I think that um, hopefully it's just, you know, things like you and I are doing that just getting the word out some eventually a message clicks, you know, and I think too, you know, part of the theme of the book is that, you know, to for change to happen, it's going to be uncomfortable. And that can often come in the form for some people of like, I got a health scare or I saw a photo of myself at the beach that I don't like. And so it's kind of that, like, you have to have that moment of like, oh man, this really sucks where the pain of that becomes greater than the pain of being like, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to change the way that I'm living in some capacity. Right. And I love, you know, I want people to realize that what Michael's saying is 
everything we talk about, he talks about in the book, he backs up with science. Like, so this isn't just like, hey, you know, positive psychology type thing. There's, you know, science to everything. You know, you were talking about the runners and it's the Kalahari persistence runners, right? So when people say, yep. you know, I love that with Daniel Lieberman, like I do triathlons, Michael, but I, we're not, I hate swimming. We're, you know, it's a means to keep from yeah. drowning. Uh, I'm not good at it. Uh, Amen. <laughs> and I got Dr. Lieberman to say, we're not meant to swim, right? We're born to yeah. run, <laughs> right? right? And, you know, you talk totally. about all that. So uh, what I love is, you know, everything you talk about in the book is backed up with science and and the best of the best. Um, let's just quickly talk so many things, but you were kind of alluding to the central governor theory. I love that, right? And that you went there back to the mind, right? In the body. What's the central governor theory, you know, for people? Yeah. So it's this, it's this idea that basically your um, brain puts a a governor on your physical performance. And that's to essentially keep you safe. When they look at research, people tend to use only about 50% of their capacity because your brain doesn't want you to work way too hard and either one, injure yourself or B, burn through all your energy reserves, right? So your brain always sort of puts a limit on um, your performance. But if you can start to sort of uh, realize this, I would argue you can kind of go above that 50% cap. So Think of, I mean, think of exercise. It's like, why is exercise uncomfortable? Well, it's because as we evolved, it didn't make any sense to move any more than you needed to, right? Because you're just burning through precious resources that were scarce. So it's like, you know, you think of like a caveman, a caveman who enjoyed just going out for runs for the hell of it, he would have starved to death and died. Like he would have burned through energy. So we still have that drive to avoid exercise. And that really plays out in our brain with the sensations that our body throws at us as we exercise. And so we often sort of people have, you know, moments in exercise where they're like, oh, this is so bad. I can't take this anymore. But the reality is that this is just your brain sort of trying to hold you back from doing more than you're capable of. It used to make sense right. all the time, but right. it ne doesn't necessarily anymore. Right. Right. It's basically, you know, crazy, um, you know, theory that, well, not crazy theory, but like your brain says, you, you, we don't want you to die. <laughs> I don't want you to yes. die. I'm going to slow you exactly. down, right? With Timothy Noakes, you know, who went off the deep end. But like, um, yeah. what a great theory. And, and again, backed up by science and I, that the, the brain is the limiting factor in performance, right? And it goes to endurance yes. and other concepts like that. Oh my God, there's so much stuff. But yeah, uh, <laughs> and like I would, um, yeah. yeah, like I've had conversations with, um, I have a friend who it was in the Olympic. He's the first um, guy to win a gold in a Nordic event. And, you know, he talks about like, look, you look at our team, like there are people who have higher VO2 maxes. They have all this different stuff that, that I don't. But what I do have is I have experience and I have something going on upstairs that other people don't. I mean, that's when you, especially when you get to the highest levels, it is ultimately psychology that I think determines the winners and losers. I, I totally agree. You know, back when I first started in this industry, Michael, you know, you, you learned the physiology and stuff. And I said, you know what? It's the psychology. And I went back to do the master's in that with the exercise science, because as you're saying, you know, it was my opinion that the top five people in any event, they're pretty much physiologically the same, right? But it's, and I watched it in Ironmans back in the day. It was like, who needed to win for the, you know, to, to, to get the money, right? To put food on the table yes. back in the day, right? And their why was bigger than the other person that day. They're willing to suffer at a higher level that day, right? Which is, which is an incredible yes. concept. Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> but uh, talk about, I, I love this. So the one thing that stood out to me that was new to me was the rucking. So I got to go get one of okay. these things now. <laughs> so so yeah, talk, do. I do, and I'm going to buy one. So tell people about rucking and kind of the history of that. Yeah. So I started thinking about this because in the, in the Arctic, we were hunting for food and, you know, we used every part of the animal and everything. But after we had successfully hunted a caribou, we had to pack it out. So as I'm sure you've talked about with uh, Dr. Lieberman on the show, um, the human body evolved to run long distances, very slowly in the heat. And we would use this in order to hunt. So we would slowly but surely sort of chase down an animal until it toppled over from heat exhaustion because four-legged animals, they can't cool themselves well. So this is why we're good distance runners. But that shaped our body, more or less, this ability to run. But there's another thing that humans are uniquely good at. And what would we have to do after we killed an animal? We would have to carry it home, right? You'd have to carry the meat back to camp. So that's the other thing that humans are really good at is carrying. We're the only animals that can carry weight for distance. And so I argue in the book, you know, I mean, you talk to Dr. Lieberman and he's, you know, sort of told me, you know, I think the things that the human body um, 
is adapted to do can maybe be uniquely good for us compared to other forms of exercise. And so, you know, you, a lot of people run still, like jogging is a super popular thing, but how many people for a workout will just carry something heavy over distance, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and I found uh, the one tribe who has, and I'd argue that it's turned them into some of the fittest people that ever walked the planet, and that's special forces soldiers. So the sort of crux of military special forces training is rucking which is putting weight in a backpack and simply just going for a walk, hiking, right? And what, why this is beneficial is because you get a cardio element, uh, but you also, you also get a strength element because the pack weighs something, right? And we know from research that you need both cardio and strength for uh, overall health benefits, right? So I've, uh, one of the guys explained it to me. He's like, you know, rucking is kind of like cardio for people who hate to run and lifting for people who hate the gym. So it kind of <laughs> combines two in one. And the thing that I love about it too, is it's unbelievably safe. So, you know, running, running is a skill. So it can be a little bit tricky, but most people can walk, right? And so if you just throw some weight in a pack and walk, the injury risk is super low, but you get a lot of the benefits of running and of lifting. And I think it's just like, I'm not saying it's the end all be all by any means, but I am saying that it's a very important form of exercise that no one does anymore. And we should do. Yeah, it blew me away because I never thought, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, we're persistence hunters. But you never go. Yeah. How did we get the meat out? <laughs> right. You go. Right. Oh, <laughs> we never go to that next step, which is kind of funny. And so I love that. And you talk about, you know, uh, going to work and, you know, the different ways you can incorporate it into your life and with the kids. And it's just such an easy way. And you, you know, you were nice about most people get hurt running. Right. So they do too much too soon and shoes and we can go yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, such a safe, easy way to burn a lot of calories, make it natural back to evolution. But um, let me just finish up here with uh let's talk about the inactivity mismatch hypothesis, right? Because we're kind of talking about all this. You talk about rest and, you know, kind of bring it all together with, uh, you know, we're meant to move. You don't have to do crazy stuff, um, yeah. but we're not doing what we evolved to do. And it doesn't have to be crazy. Shouldn't be crazy. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you look at how much humans moved as we evolved, it, it's significantly more than we do now. Right. So there's um, certain hunter gatherer tribes in Bolivia. They put in about 17,000 steps a day on average. We frequently ran long distances uh, for hunting and we we're just always moving. I mean, people are always moving and we're not just walking, right? We're also having to carry stuff. We're also having to lift, you know, small loads, do all this stuff. So we're just constantly moving all the time. But nowadays it's pretty easy. I mean, it's pretty easy to just like, hardly move at all. I think the average step count uh, for the average American is like 4,000 steps. I mean, this is, this is very, very little movement. And I don't necessarily, uh, so, so there's different ways to think about it, but I kind of think of, think of it as like, it's not that exercise is good for us. It's that not moving enough is really bad for us. It right. starts to cause a lot of problems. So people tend to think of like, oh, I need to add exercise. No, you're just returning to a baseline of the activity you need to be a normal freaking human being, right? <laughs> right. But also, you know, to your point about it not be, having to be crazy, like when you look at hunter-gatherers is how they, uh, you know, try and figure out a lot of this, sure. this data. So they, because that tends to be a model for how they think we lived in the past. And there's, I mean, there's still differences, but it's, it's pretty close. Um, by These the way, real quickly, like, Michael, don't you think those yeah. tribes, like you talk about how many, like Lieberman goes, you know, all these different researchers who go and strap these hunter-gatherers with like accelerometers and stuff, you think they're like, just leave us alone? Like, <laughs> yeah, they very, they very well might be. They're like, oh God. Yeah, here they come, here come again. Here come the scientists again. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry um, to interrupt. Um, yeah, it's not crazy though. It's not like hunter-gatherers are doing like CrossFit. Like, right. I think you see this, you know, for example, um, in the paleo community, there's this idea that, and I'm, I don't mean to sound critical, um, because I think overall, most fitness things are always, I mean, if you get people to move more and eat better, like good. Sure. Um, but you see like th that they tend to picture like early man as like these massive, you know, like jacked bodybuilder types. It's like, that's not true at all. No. Like the average hunter gatherer is like 120 pounds. Right. Like they're tiny people. Yeah. You know, but what they're doing is they're just doing a lot of movement that tends to be relatively like light and moderate, but they're just doing it all the time. Like they're carrying 
you know, 30 pounds across the land for a while. Now we're just going to walk. Oh, we're going to jog for a little bit because we're hunting. Oh, we're going to dig for a while, right? It's just kind of like this constant low-level activity. But I think that tells us something about um, our own exercise. It's like we don't have to go crazy, crazy, crazy to see benefits. Like even just little incremental increases in activity can render massive benefits. And especially if you don't exercise at all, like even just doing a tiny bit, it is unbelievable the right. amount of benefit people get from just adding a little bit, like 10 minutes into your day is, is astounding. And so I think that, you know, with how sort of, um, with sort of the extremes you see in, in fitness now, and I guess um, extremes in sort of the modern sense, I think people think, all right, well, I either have to be lazy or like, you know, try and be, Tom and an Ironman. It's yeah, like, yeah, that's not true at all. Like, right? just go for just go for a three mile walk or something. You know, it'll take you like forty five minutes, and you'll get a ton of benefits out of that. I keep saying, you take Justin only out. Well, I only walked a mile. I just did this. No, what what we're saying is that's that's what you need, right? And extremes are easy, yes. right? Extremes are easy. Saying I'm not going to eat a cookie, you know, or you know, all these diets restrictive. I love. I had Matt Fitzgerald on, you know, another just guru. I love so smart. Um, and talked about all the different diets, right? And how just the fact that there are so many different diets shows you there's a flaw in the system, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's moderation and excessive moderation is the term I use. And building it into your day, as, as Michael's saying, let me leave with this, by the way. You know, again, we need 10 hours to talk about everything. This book is nutrition. This book is is psychology. There is every single thing. By the way, Michael, as I was reading, I'm like, oh, he hasn't talked about cold yet. Boom, at the end of the book, like you touched on every single topic from, you know, the hygiene hypothesis, everything you need to know about living your best life is in this book. I'm not overselling it either with all the research to back it. So I can't recommend it more highly. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time. I wish I didn't sound like this, <laughs> you know, for this show, but um, it, it just, it, it absolutely made my year because it just is so good and it's going to help so many people you know, find that thing and figure it out and have the, 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 the science to back it up and go, okay, now I get it because you present it in such a just amazing way that, um, yeah, I can't, I, I don't know what more to say. You know, you talk about junk food, you talk about, I, I wanted to talk about amazing guy, Trevor Cashy, because he talks about, I wrote the quote down. I quickly solved hundreds of problems just by virtue of improving a person's awareness of their own behavior, Right not genetics, yes. not things like that. You know, we could talk about hormones and leptin and ghrelin and all that kind of stuff. I can't recommend this book more highly. Michael, I can't wait for your next one. I know you're working on one. Can you give a little hint on what it's about or no? Um, yeah, so it's uh, the working title is The Scarcity Brain and it is about how humans evolved in environments of scarcity of all kinds of things. So from food to information to the number of people we could influence to the amount of stuff we could have. And now I argue we live in environments of abundance of all those things. And that kind of presents some problems for us. So I kind of investigate each one by going to, similar to the comfort crisis, to go into different places to speak with different experts and adventures here and there. So, yeah. Can't wait. I mean, you made me feel better about myself too with, you know, talking about boredom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I kind of felt like putty. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld guy, but there's an episode where he's sitting on a plane. He's just staring straight ahead. And Elaine's like, okay, are you going to yeah. read a book? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, he's just telling you, that's kind of me. Like, I can be happy just doing nothing. And my wife is really disturbed when I do things like that. But you made, me, awesome. feel, <laughs> you made me feel better. Thank you again. Really, really appreciate it. And yeah, I look forward to hopefully in a year or two having you back. And we'll talk about the new one. Yeah, I'd love it. Hey, thank you so much for having me on for all the kind words about the book. I'm super psyched that you like it. That's uh, that's huge coming from you. And I love what you're doing with this show and in your life. And uh, so, yeah, it was awesome to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. Again, this is Michael Easter. The book is The Comfort Crisis. Perfect holiday gift. Uh, you you want to read it yourself. I, I bought 10, Michael, to give to friends. I mean, I just <laughs> awesome. gave it to everyone. Yeah. And I'm going to give it to more. So Comfort Crisis, Michael Easter. Thank you so much, Michael. And uh, we'll speak with you soon. Yes, sounds great. Thank you, Tom. All right. And we will be back right after this brief break.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we are back. I, I say it every time <laughs> because I want three hours with these people. I want to do the Joe Rogan podcast length because there's so much in this book, so much I wanted to talk to him about. You have to read it. If you're listening to my podcast, this is what you're interested in. And I'm bringing you the best of the best to help you live your best life. And he's such a great writer. And he opens up at the beginning of the book. Let's you inside, like, you know, his life goes pretty deep, explains, you know, some of the motivations behind what he's doing. But the research is invaluable on every single level, as I said. As I was reading the book, I'm like, well, well, he forgot to talk. Nope. Touched on everything. You can look back at a hundred podcasts that I've done. And he talked about that specific topic and explained it and gave you the research and the numbers and made it really interesting and understandable. And what I find incredible, every single time I have someone on like Michael Easter or Matt Fitzgerald or Daniel Lieberman, the smartest always apologize. And, and, you know, extremely humble. This book is amazing. 
It's entertaining and it is so educational. And I want you to find your misogi. And you got a term for it. And I know it sounds crazy, 50-50 chance of succeeding. And you can't die. But life is about challenging ourselves psychologically and physically. I will bring this topic to you over and over and over again because it goes to self-efficacy and confidence and resilience and grit. And you don't get that by being comfortable. But I know the question is, you say, well, I don't want to be uncomfortable. When you find the way that works for you to be uncomfortable, and there's a way. It's fun. It's fun. And you want to do it again. There's a reason. Over 100,000 people try to get into New York City Marathon every year. And it's often talked about in my industry when you talk about marathons and races and events, the one and done, how rare that is. In other words, that someone will do an event that's really challenging and not do it again or not challenge themselves in that way again. Why is that? Because there's a need, as Michael talks about in his book. And it helps us live our best lives. Okay, enough. Order the book, The Comfort Crisis. And I want to hear what you thought about it. And how you do that is you reach out. Tom H. Fit is Instagram and Twitter for me, Tom H. Fit. You can also go to fitnessdisrupted.com. Email me through the site. I want to thank Michael Easter again. <sighs> sad. Sad that I, I didn't have so much more time with him, so much I wanted to talk to him about, but I just want you to read the book. I want you to get out of it what I got out of it. Because there are three things we control, and he talks about all these things in the book. How much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our attitudes. That's awesome. I am Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.